Hey, my name is Axel, and today I have on the podcast my dude Jimmy Swag. We're gonna talk about being a rock star, religion, bodybuilding, losing those close to you. Jimmy fucking Swag. Hola. What's up, man? Finally, here. We have rescheduled this interview like 52 times. Yeah, like oh, in a year. You're a like busy person, so tell <laughs> So are you. Yes. So tell me, what does it mean to you to live rock as a lifestyle? I feel like what attracted me to that genre more than the, the music was, I felt just freedom. That's the first word that comes to mind. Freedom of expression to be. It's that, man. I mean, I've gone through the cliche things. I'm not going to lie. I've gone through the cliche things of, of the, other, the other side of it, you know? But I much more enjoy the music of it, the lifestyle of freedom, of expressing myself, not just physically, but my music and promoting that. And I feel like that's my goal always, to really always bettering my message to be clear on that right? Uh, to be free. Because that's what it inspired me, all these artists that I looked up to in the rock and roll genre. And I feel like me and Shark talk about this all the time. You know, people always use that as the marker. They don't say a pop star or hip hop star. They it's always the rock star, star, right? That is true. Like even, it's interesting because even now, hip hop artists want to live a rock star. They want to be the rock star. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Uh, but I wanted to get into the side that people don't understand. Yeah. Which in you, I see that you live the, that style, not with the wild, crazy parties and drugs, although. <laughs> although. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, but you have this intensity about like getting things done. Yeah. Which is very interesting and attractive to me because I kind of live that in my lane of like trying to make films and make videos and content and media and all that. So tell me about that side because people might think, yeah, you're in LA, you're trying to be a rock star. So it's just like sex, drugs and rock and roll, like that kind of stuff. But yeah. how much of your life is that and how much is it just like work i feel like i have and and it is true i pause because i'm like is this the right word but yeah uh pressure from my background so i didn't i feel like maybe sometimes a lot of people what i what i've seen at least since moving out here to los angeles and musicians and they 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 want to live that right they think that that's what it is and don't really dive deeper into like what it actually takes and being realistic of like, okay, yeah, the rock star, but what does it take to get there? For me, I feel like even before I moved out here, even before like I started music in general, I felt that because family's big for me, you know, it's always been, it's huge for me. And so when deciding to do something like that, I wasn't just thinking of myself, you know, in moving out here and deciding to really pursue music, I already felt that. I felt like I have to succeed. So I, there's no room for me for errors here, major errors. Meaning the drugs, the alcohol, the partying, the all that. Yeah, that happens, but it's like, for me, that's what, what I felt was already on the underlying thing for me. Uh, I'm like, I, I don't, and, and these eight years that I've been here, it's been that. It's been that intense focus uh, of, and I think that that's also too, maybe just the circumstance of where I came from, you know? I. I come from humble beginnings and even more so in Waco, there's no music scene. So there is already this 
hunger just because of my circum circumstance and and how I was raised to. My dad's a musician, so I think that that helped me keep things in perspective. Uh, he would tell me about like what what's like about being a musician, musician and touring and all these things and the responsibility. And I think more than anything, for my dad, I learned that being a musician was an honor, and like you should respect that, respect yourself as a musician. So that's why, like, I always right away for rehearsing or anything that I did, I always approached it with that reverence. Like, I want to be the best at this. Let me work at it. And so I. Coming out here, I feel like that's what gave me the leg up. I'm just being real, just being real with yourself of of the work and what it takes to get there. Um, but I would say that, man, just that pressure. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because I don't think pressure is bad all the time. Maybe drive. Drive, that's drive. the word. Yeah, drive. I think people take pressure as a bad thing. If you take pressure as a bad thing, then To me, you don't want it bad enough, and you're, you could say you're not even destined to do something great mm -hmm. because, like, bring the pressure on. Like, yeah. what's the point of being so, like, oh, keep the balance and this and that? It's just not realistic. And I, even now, we were talking about it off camera. You know, uh, I've been here a while, and I feel like this is the year that I've seen really my career starting to blossom now and gaining some momentum. And it hasn't been easy, you know? And it, it feels like at times it gets harder. But understanding also, too, what's happening, right? Understanding within yourself so you're able to better cope with, with yourself emotionally, spiritually, you know? Like learning, like, hey, like, how do I not panic in this? What's actually happening here? And then just working backwards. What are the moments that will bring you panic? Man, the things that, that, that a lot of us face out here in pursuing our dreams, money, you know, or opportunities, or when things get really tough and not knowing how am I going to do this or how am I going to pay next month's rent or how am I going to get this gig or how am I going to fill this club, especially when you're just doing things on your own at first, you know, or, or without a label or without a management or wherever in your field is. But again, I feel like with the upbringing, not just in music, but anything else, I was taught to, to just go after it and re and stick with it and then educate yourself too. Being honest with yourself of what's right, what's wrong, what you're doing, and then working to move forward. There's not like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and, and, and taking away those fantasies, you know? And for me, like now, a little older, gone through a little more life, gone through a little more heart, heartaches. I've learned, man, like, man, this life does go by. And I feel like for whatever reason, I feel that now more every day. And I see that even when I look at Cash, my dog, she's almost 10. So even that, it's like, it makes my heart race thinking like, this, this is coming to an end, you know, and just like with anything else. So it's like, it's helped me though. I say that in a good way because it's helped me to really make the best of, of my day. Really say, hey man, like really be present though and enjoy. Cause uh, yeah, it can get stressful, you know? Yeah. It can, you, it's speaking of pressure, you know? You know, where, where we have deadlines or we have this and that. So also finding those, day, those times during the day to decompress, it's important to, to bring your back, yourself back to present. Yeah. 
I think if you can learn how to love those little stressful moments and just change your perspective with what you're saying of the honor, I think that's amazing. It happens to me too. Like I would want to have already made all of these films and I wish I was like a big time director and I had all this money and Ferraris and like all crazy stuff. And I don't, like I, I, it's, I still have no money. I'm here trying to <laughs> make projects. I'm editing videos that I don't want to edit so I can make money. I'm shooting things that I don't want to shoot because I need to make money. But even in the middle of that, Dude, we're freaking lucky. Like, yeah, we are in a beautiful city surrounded by amazing people. And every now and then, and pretty often for you and me, we get to like get on a stage or yeah. get behind the camera, grab a microphone, like play. And it's, that that makes it worth it. Jimmy, imagine if you could not do that. Imagine if you were living like back in Minnesota or some like faraway state. Well, I don't even have to worked that hard to imagine I was living it already <laughs> you know because I didn't intend on making the music a career so you, you know? came into it late so you started with sports uh, then you did bodybuilding and then through happenings you finally discovered music so mm -hmm. I already know the story so I don't want to like get into that again but how do you feel now that when you think about it do you have regrets that it took you that long to get into music or? I do. I, I feel like people that say they don't, yeah, man, that's a lie in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I could trace it back to, because uh, music has always been in me, man. Like it really has, it's always been a passion. I just, I didn't know how to maneuver in it. And, and then after a while, I just ignored it. But regrets, when that comes to mind, when I was 18, I wanted to go to Lipscomb in Nashville. It's a smaller university and everyone around me was kind of like wondering why did you choose that school? Cause I, at the time in high school, um, I graduated salutatorian and really had the choice of going anywhere I wanted in the country. And then if it was a, a state school, a full ride. So, but at the core, it was music, right? So the reason that I chose Lipscomb was because it was in Nashville and I didn't tell no one, not even my parents, but I was gonna give it a shot at music. I was like, I'll use school as a front, but I'm really gonna go give it a shot. You were 18? Yeah, 18. Well, 17 in making the decision. And I did, I had filled out my dorm, I had everything. So you went to Nashville, you? No, so this is like the, the fall semester of my senior year. So I still had another, semester and a half to go, right? But I had committed already, I had, you know, and then getting close to the end of that first semester, I started getting cold feet. You know, I'd never been away from home. I'd never been challenged like that. And then I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and it just seemed like, it's like I convinced myself otherwise. It's like, what am I, what are you doing? Like. It's not like I had already a career or experience in music. I was just playing sometimes at church. But there was no justification as to be like, you, you have the training or whatever. I, I believed in myself, but it just, the, that fear got too big of, well, I didn't want to fail and then come back and then what, and then school and that's, you know? So I decided to, I, I, I decided to jump ship and then committed to Baylor. And then that made sense to everybody. Cause it's like, it's great school. You know, it's here in town. And what did you study? I went in as a pre-med student. 
I went in as a pre-med student. And then after a semester... Jimmy Swag, a doctor. A doctor, yeah, man. That's where I was headed. Oh, I mean, I think you're a caring guy, so I think you, you could have pulled that off. And I feel like in anything, man, like any, any area, I would have excelled. Just as I feel like I am excelling in music. You know, it's just the matter of how, these metrics of how we measure it. But yeah, man. So I changed after that. It, long story short, but yeah, I ended up going to that instead. And, and it, it weighed me down for a long time, man. Like feeling like, damn, I should have I gone. And then a few years after that, that happened, I'm already in Baylor. And then things just fell apart for me at church, was, was, which is where I really was the beef of where I was participating musically. So after that, I, get, I, I was like, I'm closing that chapter in my life. I really did. Really? That's interesting. For me, I, I had, we bonded over this because like we were hanging out at your place and we started talking about like bands and you mentioned POD and I'm like, oh my God, like I love POD. Because that was my times when I was going to church and I was a teenager and I was like, that's how I came up learning about cameras and filming and all that. It was at church. Yeah. And it was very interesting that you also... I was like, yeah, sorry, I remember that night. I was, wait, I was like, what? And I started naming all these bands and you're like, yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah. It's like, whoa, you never find somebody like, obviously in the Christian world that grows up with this with music. With the same bands. Yeah. yeah. But... Uh, you had a kind of a sad story with breaking ties with the church. Mm -hmm. For me, it was more of a slow distance, like slowly growing apart from mm -hmm. it. Uh, I did work for churches, like most of my, the beginning of my career was like in churches and I worked for some large churches. I didn't have like what happened to you, but I had, I saw things that I did not like and saw the way people, uh, acted in, in ways that were not like good, not even just for the church standards, but also for like just regular human, like being a good person yeah. standards. How do you think that changed your entire like worldview? Because it's not just giving up music. It's like this mix of resenting something that you loved before and then you had a form of expressing that that was tied into you know surprisingly my faith and what i felt relationship with god i feel like it didn't i thought uh affected at first because it really everything that i started to feel towards this church i grew up with and this anger uh i openly expressed it and directed it to all these people and I still continued after, you know, we left the church, my whole family did, which was a huge deal. We still kept going to church. We just went to another one. But imagine like a Mexican family. We were in a non-denominational church, white church. So that was a complete like, we're going the opposite way here. But it was a godsend because I feel like my entire family needed it. And I felt like this embrace when we started going to this church. And now that I think about it, that was the beginnings of me coming back to music too, you know, because there they, as soon as they found out I was a musician, and at that point I was in bodybuilding already and no plans of playing. I, I had hardly played with, just with my ex-wife at the time and same with you, it was just church gigs, right? But it was cool, I was, I was having fun. I was just like, just helping her out. But that church really 
brought me back in. Um, but it wasn't until I moved out here that, that I feel like my faith was really challenged. And just so many cultures out here, so many beliefs. Yet at the same time, I felt excited because I felt like I, there was always these questions that I wanted to know. And upon moving here and getting some mentors in all sorts of fields and just really absorbing it and diving into like, because I love it, man. I love studying things that I'm passionate about. So I dove into philosophy, into other religions and things just to try to piece things together of these questions I had. What did you find? Don't you feel like to me, I feel like all of them kind of circle around the same yeah. human like truths. They do. And I feel like I got lost in the mix of all that, you know, and you know how things can be out here in L.A. People start you talking this sort of mystical, the universe. And, A lot of mystical stuff here. You know? <laughs> but the, the funny thing is that some of my friends and people that know me, Think that I kind of step maybe I step away from God and all of that because I came to LA yeah but for me it actually started at the Christian college mm. where I studied when we actually sat down and studied deep down like theology what it means to be God like all the dimensions of God all the different religions and then when you analyze all of that I was like wait wait like all of this doesn't add up so my shift of mentality and mindset started actually there going deep in all of that mm. when i came here to la i wasn't i was already had formed my views around that and here i just felt that everyone if anything everyone is even more hungry for spiritual enlightenment and i agree and but connection. I'll, I'll add to that too I, in my personal opinion i feel like at the same time it's just people are so lost those at the same time like, yeah. cause I don't know what it is. And I feel like maybe me too, you know, and, and just, it's like being too vague on stuff. Not really necessarily wanting to not acknowledge God, but maybe yes, that and here and there, true. but not, not being solid. And I feel like my journey through all that uncovered things I hadn't healed from yet. So it wasn't necessarily that I didn't believe in God. It's just through all this studying, then it's like all this stuff that happened to me at church and these feelings that I finally was like, you know what? Fuck it. Nah, I don't believe. I, 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 don't, I don't believe in this. And I went that route. I did. I was like, I went the whole, this is the universe and da da da, da. And not that I went off the deep end and to, 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 to do bad things, but... Yeah, just denouncing God, you know? Uh, not realizing, like I said, that I hadn't really fully healed of all the things that I'd gone through. And then now going down this route of just abandoning faith fully. That's the one thing I will say, though. <laughs> when I go down a route, I'm going down it. You going know? All, all the We're way. We're going to go all the way. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I think that vagueness here comes from having so many people who are higher on the open-minded uh, scale. Like, you, you've read Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. You know how he talks about consciousness and being open-minded. I feel like a lot of artists and people in the creative fields and tech, which is like a lot of the people here, they're more open-minded. So when you're talking about ideas, you want to almost contemplate all the ideas and right. all the variations as equal in value because you could go either way. 
and that is what creates this vagueness where you cannot really hard commit to anything because if you commit that's the thing with religion i feel like to me this is what i believe i believe there is something bigger than us humans but i believe that is so big that we have no way of actually putting it down on paper and conform it conform whatever that is to our human understanding with rules and parameters that helps us explain the world yeah like when you think about science is our way of trying to put down some patterns and parameters that we can then trust that right. are going to be constant and i think when it comes to religion this is just what i believe is that it's so vast and beyond what we can understand that i'm not even going to attempt to constrain it to one religion or one practice or one so i'm actually i feel even more freedom after i i struggled with this for like a year or two until i came to the conclusion that you know it's actually even more respectful to say hey it, it's so beyond me that i cannot comprehend it so i'm not even going to attempt to do that you know man for me it was like it was necessary where i i'm at where i'm at today all those routes and that's what I'll, I'll say though too you know even though i started to think a little different again i committed though and i committed by studying i committed i wasn't just gonna say i'm denouncing this or i'm believing this um i, I read every day so there was there's been time periods of my of my life that for six months i was dedicating to studying this or this philosophy or this religion and through all of that though it 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 I made I feel like I made a mistake in allowing myself in that pursuit and just saying, you know, I don't believe in that, but also then letting my spirit get weakened. And I feel like that's very important. That, that not, and I don't mean that in a religious way, but feeding myself spiritually cuz I was like, ah, forget all that. So how do you do that? For me, man, that means meditation. For me, it's reflecting constantly on myself of what my actions What's my purpose? I read the, I'm back, well, this is a long story, but reading the Bible, I'm reading in a different perspective, but it doesn't necessarily mean the Bible, but it's an, an understanding of yourself. I feel like that's what it means to feed your soul in just being quiet, learning how to be quiet with yourself, teaching yourself how to listen to yourself. That takes practice, that takes time. You know, again, like whether that comes through a mentor or a book or whatever, but taking the time to understand how to be present, how to be, how can I sit in front of the mirror and be at, be at peace with that person I see there. And so for me, like we were talking off camera too, talking about Jordan Peterson. This last December, after feeling like I had gotten this great new awakening spiritually, because through that path, then it eventually led to so 2019, towards the fall, uh, I had been a year into doing my solo career. So just, bare, you know, and um, it was exciting because everything started to really grow. And at the same time, though, I feel like I let the door wide open of the fuck it. <laughs> like, fuck it. In the sense of like, I had just split up. We hadn't divorced yet, but split up my ex-wife. 
there's a lot of things happening in my personal life that I did. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna go this rock star thing. And yeah, like the things, the shows and all this stuff, it was starting to really grow. But by getting close to that year, I one day just felt so empty, man. And I, I was like, I didn't even emptier than before. And I just felt like this darkness. And I was like, is it? And at first I was like, I just think it's this Jimmy Swag thing that I created. And I remember even talking to one of my bandmates at the time of, of telling him like, I think I want to get away from this moniker. Cause I feel like if I continue down this moniker, I really felt like something not good is gonna happen. It just had gone too dark. And after talking to myself that way and just, man, like at the time I was staying in this little bitty apartment in Sherman Oaks, I would go out on the steps and read every morning. And during that time, man, a lot of, a lot of times I'd just sit there for like 15 minutes, man, just thinking like, what is this? Like, why do I feel like this? And I don't know what to do. And so again, I'm like, I started studying yogis and working to figure out what's wrong with me here, right? And through that process, I feel like I came to the conclusion, like my spirit is, is, is kind of on the verge of death here. That's why like, I feel like I have no spiritual strength. I haven't, I haven't been doing any, and looking back on it now, you know, in, in church and prayer, which is it's like meditation. Mm -hmm. But you're, when you're brought up in church, we're, we're really constantly in that. So you are having that connection with God, which I do believe in God, and I believe God is within. So that connection with yourself, that's where God lives, I believe. So through all of that, man, and again, divine intervention, like some of those things that started to come up, I just was really hungry to figure out what was wrong and to move forward in a better way, especially when I knew how it felt to live that way. Not because of church, but my upbringing at home really gave me the blueprint of what it meant to live a good life as me being a man now, but a boy and a man. And so having that as a reference point, I knew what it felt like to live at peace. I knew what it felt like to have adversity, but to be able to overcome. Through seeing my dad, who was the same guy at church as he was behind closed doors, as he was in the restaurant, as he was anywhere. So him teaching me these lessons and telling me what faith meant and what God meant and even even the phrase I am right I think back I'm like wow my dad was really ahead of his time from his background and teaching me all the my family these things but what's the word says it too right like if you instruct I'm paraphrasing but if you instruct the child yeah even it's, it's, it's true because during these trials as a man now they were still there and I could still spiritually find them if I really just took the time to seek it. And so that's what started happening. And then I came across this video of Dr. Joe Dispenza during that time, like towards the, that, that fall. And uh, there, was, I, I, there was a video that just made so much sense to me because again, I, I was needing something that wasn't the Christian route. I felt like I couldn't go down that route because it wasn't gonna work for me. But I knew that there was something and I just didn't know where to go to get to them, my answer, which is like I said, like to find God again. 
which was within me. So Dr. Joe Dispenza, he starts saying, because he explained things a little more. What does he say? Demystify uh, all of that yeah, and more in the scientific the, terms. Yeah, it's like demystify the inner workings of the human brain. There you go. And so I, that resonated with me. And so immediately I looked him up. I was like, oh, he's written a bunch of books. Got them all. And I went into studying that and it really helped to connect the dots of science, science and religion of what's actually happening in our bodies, right? Chemically, our brains, all of that in relation to what we've been explained through on the religious, with the religious, uh, what's it called? Filter. And it was like I was having a bunch of aha moments, like, whoa, that's what's happening. That's what, you know, uh, whether like the brain waves or your, your, the chemicals in your body, uh, and even he even talks about the pineal gland and how to, you can, you can uh, activate it yourself, all these different things, right, through meditation. And his explanations and through the books, I feel like, okay. It made all sense to me. Yeah. It's almost like learning how to use a muscle, like learning how to work out something. You know, if you do this many reps with this amount of weight, pushing this, eating this, you get this. I really like the way that he explains all of that in, in lay terms where you can actually understand it. Now, when you were telling this story, I was curious about the Jimmy Swag persona. Mm. Uh, we, I don't think we have ever talked about this. Uh, to me, I've always seen it as, okay, he, it's a character. Like I, mm -hmm. I think because I understand like storytelling and like all of that. And it has happened with other people, like my friend uh, Candy Can. He has this like outrageous personality. Like he's this Swedish kid and he's wearing like pink unicorns and like nail polish. And it's something that you would never believe. Like, what is this? And then you talk to him and he's Ken. And he like will sit down, talk about the like the editing software, and like talk about this and that. And he's a regular person. He's just an actor that knows how to put on this character that he created, which is based off of himself. Yeah. And I think you are doing the same thing with Jimmy Swag. Are did you do that consciously? And or that of course you did. Like that's a silly question, but how do you live those two lives as Ogie and Jimmy Swag? And then they come together, they're separated, they come together. That has to be it. I didn't know how to do that at first. And that's why I said it went dark on me, right? Because at first I didn't, I didn't even give myself that name. I just started a band at the time called The Lipsticks. I knew I wanted to do rock. And I, and I was gonna give it my first attempt at singing and being a front man for the first time in my life. I started the band, like I said, I just felt like the band itself, the name gave me a shield, so it made me feel comfortable. And I wrote a song about Jimmy Swagger, which is a real person, a real... What did this guy do? Just for a, people who don't He was know. a famous televangelist from like the 80s and early 90s. And there's a huge scandal that came out with him, um, of him being caught with a prostitute. And again, in that time period, it's like, what? And then it was a, he made this big scene at his church apologizing and he's crying and all this stuff. And then I don't know the time frame after that, but then he gets caught again, right? 
And so I, for the longest, I always wanted to write a song, but I hadn't done it because I didn't want it to be cheesy and I didn't either want to be bashing. I wanted it to be something fun, uh, but I didn't know what that meant yet. So then we fast forward to now I'm starting my own band and I'm writing a bunch of songs and then he came to mind and literally like I thought of it and I was like, well, what if this guy just like didn't apologize? What if he just said, fuck it? Like, this is who I am. I was like, huh. And then the song, the idea just came to me. And I'm like, well, Jimmy Swagger doesn't sound like a cool song name. That's, so I'm like, nah, Jimmy Swag, that sounds dope. Like, that, that would be like the opposite of that dude. Like, here's this preacher guy who is, is saying like all these things, but he keeps fucking up. But then now there's this other guy that he's admitting it. He's like, nah, I'm doing it, you know? So like I'm taking that's why in the in one of the lines in the song it says I, I he took the, the hooker and ran. And ran like yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you know? So I just wrote it like that. And it's a simple song, but it's like boom, you know? So like I was like, yeah, so it, it went like that. And that was like in September. So by December of that year, very short time period, just my friends and just started just saying it, like, what's up, swag? You know, what's up, swag? I'm like, oh shit, well, that makes sense, you know? And it, it just stuck. Like, I didn't even give myself that name. So then once I, I realized that, and I was like, I was conscious of moving forward with that character, because I'm also, uh, I'm a huge fan of music, man. I, I love music. And so I've been studying all these artists and books and documentaries since I was a kid. So I had an understanding of what it means to be an entertainer, to be a successful entertainer. I knew that. So I already had this knowledge and, and then for me too, it's like, okay, this gives me the space to really create what I feel I needed to, especially during that hard time as myself, as Augie, I feel like that wasn't helping me. And so I went full on there and then into that whole dark world of the partying and all that stuff, like constantly, constantly being like, oh, and then everybody expected me to live that. And I'm like, oh, I was okay with it at first and okay with it. But that's the thing, man, like, and thank God that it didn't get too crazy. But I will say this about like just drugs. Um, I feel like especially today, they're so romanticized even more so that uh, there's a darkness to it though that clouds your mind, you know, that it doesn't allow you to really heal, to really surface those things within your life. And so things, the, it, it feels like sometimes things get worse, you know? And that's what exactly happened as the drugs and the alcohol and everything progressed. And so I started thinking like, thank God that this isn't, didn't really happen to me when I'm rich and famous. Like, I'm like, damn, that you, you can see why some of these artists, their lives fall apart or whatever. I got a little understanding of that, you know, because we all face difficult things. And the higher you climb, as you know, in this industry, yeah, there's more pressure. And then the pressure to be that, right? And constantly this and constantly on. So progressing through that, I didn't know how to maneuver. So I was just like that all the time, all the time, Jimmy Swag, all the time, you know, partying all the time, every day fuck it, you know, got crazy there for a little bit. And then, but that takes a toll on your soul. It does. Yeah. And so I got, I actually dropped the name and went by Jimmy Villa for, 
from like, what was that? November of 2019 till like the pandemic hit. I even dropped like a song. I was, I was gonna reinvent myself because I thought it was the name, you know? And now realizing, no, it wasn't the name, dude. It's you, it's you that needs to work this out. I didn't have no plans of coming back to that name. And then the pandemic hits and then all this stuff is happening. And then my mother passes away. And then soon after that, Sharky moved back to Los Angeles. He had moved back to Boston for a little bit, came back and we reconnected as we always do. And then we, you know, he started telling me and he's the one that, that started just at the moment, like calling me swag. What's up swag? And like, well, I remember one time telling him like, kind of, I didn't say it up front, but it made me uncomfortable. You know, it made me uncomfortable because I hadn't told nobody these struggles or the motives for why I had changed my name, but it made me uncomfortable because it's like, I don't know that I want to do that. I don't know that I want to be like that, but how do I maneuver? And then talking with him, he goes, no, oh, man, you're just swag. It's like, it has to, it, it doesn't have to be that yeah, I can dark picture, thing. I, I can picture Sharky's in that with that same tonality. Yeah. And so it's just learning, man, learning that, okay, there's things that I have to work here. And it, after settling down, like I said, after my mom passed away and, and then coming back from Texas that summer, it put things in perspective. Like, okay, what am I doing here? I'm gonna do an album, this, this, and that. And then we're deciding to move forward and learning like, hey man, I don't have to do this drugs and alcohol thing to be this. I am Jimmy Swag, just as I am Augie. Like this is all of me. I am a great performer, you know, regardless. So it's just reprogramming myself of understanding like, that's just an extension of you. Like it, you don't have to fear that or think you have to be that all the time. And so learning that now, I feel like now it feels organic for me because now it's like if I want to have a drink here and there, cool, you know, like the drug stuff, like besides like mushrooms and I feel like I'm on just a different spiritual journey now, but when it comes to performing, I actually feel a whole lot better and comfortable mm -hmm. after accepting that, understanding like that's me and no one else has a say in, in me. I don't have to do that. I don't have to be the partier guy. Cause bro, a lot of times to be honest, I didn't wanna, I didn't want to, but I thought like, if I'm gonna get there, if I'm gonna associate with these people and climb higher, well, fuck it. Did it ever help? That no, actually... for Never. me, it didn't. Like I said, it just, it just kept throwing dirt over the problem to cover it up, to cover it up. And then like people think like, oh, like all oh, networking and this and that, bro, I tried it. I tried all that shit. I tried all these events and all this stuff. And me and Shark talk about it all the time. Like those things really don't help your career. All they really do is probably get you deeper into that party scene or, yeah. or just these events. But what are you doing for your craft? Yeah. And it distracts you. A lot. Yeah. More, more than anything up here, mm -hmm. you know, and, bro, before, I never had issues of what you would call anxiety, but man, bro, like they do have an effect on you chemically, drugs, especially when it's constant, constant and alcohol. I remember I started- What were you mixing? What were you doing that caused that? Uh, 
okay, well, let me just be honest. Alcohol, there's constantly alcohol uh, of all sorts, constantly cocaine, um, constantly mushrooms, molly, ecstasy, uh, all those things on a constant, on a regular, you know? Yeah, that must like just unbalance your, completely, your chemistry in your completely body. Completely, to the point of like, I remember two instances having, I didn't know it at the time, but a panic attack. I remember one time I was driving and like, I'm not an exaggerated sort of person. Like, like I feel like I, I don't, I'm not a drama queen, you know, like I, I feel like I consider myself like, hey, I'm a pretty tough person and we work through it. But man, I remember driving one time to work and my vision just started getting blurry. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And my heart starts racing and my breath. And like, I was like, I, I literally felt like I was gonna like pass out. And I started freaking out. I'm like, what, do, I, don't know what's, I don't know what's happening. And it just felt like this anxiety was just like gonna swallow me. And I just started like, hey, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe. I just started saying that. Cause I'm like, I didn't know what to do. I was sort of coming off a ramp in traffic. I'm like, I can't just pull over or stop here. And so I just calmed myself down, but didn't pay no mind to it. And I feel like a few weeks later, it happened to me in the shower. And then that's when I'm like, okay, like something's not right. So after that happened, were you able to like overcome that quickly? Like what was Not right away. And I feel, cause I felt guilty. Even during living like that, guilty, because I was like, what am I doing? I, I, it wasn't me, and I knew it. And, and I felt guilty because I'm like, man, no one knew back home. I'm like, what, my, what would my parents think? You know, like, this isn't how I was raised to be. And not because of anyone else, but like just what I felt internally. And I, I felt it, like, this isn't right for me. But I just, again, at this point though, I had already, I felt like compromised myself a lot along the way of pursuing this dream in this industry mm -hmm. of like giving up a little here, lying a little bit there. Yeah, it's okay there, fuck it here, getting to this point. And I just, it just, that weight felt so enormous of feeling, so no, it, no, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't get better at first. It just felt, it, it actually felt like it got worse. Cause again, that guilt. And then at, yet at the same time feeling like, nah, well like this is what I gotta do. And then uh, after that, those panic attacks happen. Again, that's what sparked though, the questions within me of like, I gotta do something. But you never had like a close to overdosing or anything like that, right? Mm, the closest I got to something dangerous like that happened, when you have friends that haven't talked to you in a, in, in a while, hitting you up the next day concerned, that's pretty scary. Uh, and that happened to me once. Cause it was pretty out of control, man. I was, I feel like I, I let all my anger and rage out and did it publicly. I'm not, I'm not proud of that. Meaning through like social media and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was upset that my wife had just left me. Where are my friends? Where is my family? And nothing happening and just letting that anger out. And then with coupled with these drugs and feeling that sadness and feeling loneliness that after a few months from when my, my ex-wife first left, like I said, just bro, there'd be sometimes, I kid you not, I'd be driving and I would purposely wait for a car to get close. Fuck it, to turn, like if he hits me, I don't give a fuck. 
And it, it, it wasn't so much, it, it was just like, I didn't care. I feel like I, I had, I felt like, I'm like, what, what is this worth it all for? And then drugs were just there. So it's like, okay. And that's the thing too, man. Like people think you're a rock star and they want to give you drugs. That, that's dangerous. Cause that's going to be there, you know? And so I remember one time I took a bunch of Xanaxes and I drank a lot. And I just, <laughs> I just went on this rant on social media. And I actually still have the, the original video of myself recording that. And it's pretty scary. And I, in a sense of like, uh, just I can see how much I'm hurting. And you can tell like, whoa, you're not right. And uh, I remember I drove to get something to eat. And the next day I get hit up and one of my close friend girls, that's the one that I feel like kind of like woke me up a bit. Where she's like, hey, I'm really worried about you. Like, I, I don't want anything to happen to you. And then a few days after that, at the time, J-Dub was a good friend of mine. He was rooming with me at the apartment. And he was going at the time back and forth to back to uh, Stockton up north. So he had been gone for maybe three weeks or something like that. So I was there, I had literally been home alone too, you know? And so that, that, that wasn't helping me. When he got back home, which was a few days after that incident, he said, hey man, can I talk to you? And J-Dub, I don't know if you, you remember J-Dub or if you I met him, but he's a pretty tough gangster looking dude, you know? He said, hey, can I talk to you for a moment? I said, yeah, man. And he starts getting emotional. He's like, uh, he's like, I don't want you to die. And I was like, I was like, what? Like, it shocked me. Like, why are you saying that? And then at the same time, it made me look at myself in a way like, what are you doing? Like, you're being an idiot right now. When you know for a fact in the past, you wouldn't have done that. You know, that's not the solution. Mm -hmm. But again, man, it was, that was just the, yeah. the beginnings of, 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 the healing to to steer it's like the metaphor you know to to steer to turn a big ship around you're not just gonna yeah. take some so, time what do you think the separation hit you so hard again guilt i knew i knew i had made a lot of mistakes and i knew that i had played a part in the falling apart of my marriage and when it was supposed to be our dream both of ours and then the only music I ever knew was with her. Mm -hmm. And the only girl I ever knew since I was 16 was her. And so now that music's gone, she's gone, and it happened so abruptly without any explanation from literally one day to the next. And that was, that was what made it hard. I didn't know. Like, I felt like I, I didn't... I got left in the air without a resolution or without a, a clear saying of like, well, I want this really over. It was more like I'm gone, but I always thought we're gonna talk somewhere down the line at least, you know? And so Has as that it- that ever happened? No. So you haven't talked to her since? No, um, the only interaction we had was a really, really old school way. Uh, which I initiated a letter because um, I understand now though, you know, 
now. I didn't at the time, but I understand that I think maybe she was intimidated. And I understand that that was a tough decision for her to make too, to say, I've been with this guy my whole life and now I'm gonna leave. And um, it wasn't easy for me to accept, but I knew that I had to allow that to happen because otherwise, what am I doing? I'm forcing her to stay, I can't do that, you know? Uh, but it was hard, man. It was hard to, to, it wasn't until recent, man. It wasn't recent until like, I feel like last year that I really fully, fully, because even after my mom passed, she sent me a text. And I was so mad when I read that text. I was like, what the fuck are you texting me for? And my brother's like, hey, just don't, don't respond, you know? Because I didn't, you know, because I will say that as, as, upset and turmoiled I was, I respected her decision. And I respected her in a way of like, I'm not gonna reach out, I'm not gonna be angry and be constantly, you know, that was hard. That's probably hard, more than how I felt and everything I went through, the decision to be respectful and to be honorable and, and allowing that, that was, that was the hardest part. And saying I have to respect that. And it took a year before there was any more contact and it was only to really finalize that that was the end. And even then we didn't meet, we never talked. We, I haven't seen her since, since she left. You know, I haven't talked to her on the phone. Uh, there was only a few uh, interactions through email or text, but that was just to get everything legally resolved. Um, so yeah, man, it, it felt like I was mourning a death. Cause like I said, it, it happened so suddenly that she's here, she's gone and then no interactions and nothing. So it felt like a death, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I was mourning my marriage that was gone. Do you think you will ever get married again? I get asked that a lot. I'm open to it. I believe in love, man. I do. I believe in, in, people have so much negativity today to say about marriage and I get it, but I'm still open to that. I, I do believe in, in that there's not, it's not that it's perfect, but it's like with anything else, do you really love that? You work at it, you know, you work through it. And so now I feel like, um, cause bro, like uh, family, like I said, it's huge for me. Yeah. It's important. It is you one of my goals kids. and dreams. I absolutely do, you know, and having gone through what I've gone through, I'm glad because I am a better man today. And so when I think, and I say that now kids, I feel good about that because of how I'm living my life today. And I'm like, I want my children one day, and not just children, but there's plenty right now of my family. I get emotional right now talking about it. Uh, who look at me, you know? And I'm like, I gotta keep going, not just for me, but for those that are looking at me as like, man, he's, still, he's going after it, you know? And that's important for my family to keep my family's legacy, I feel like that's what my dad passed on to me. My dad went through a tough life and upbringing for everything he provided for my family and the amazing childhood that me and my brother had, amazing. So my dad would always say, son, you, you must be a better man than me so that one day you have kids, you raise them to be better than you. And that always just stuck with me, you know? And so, what would you tell your mom right now if you could talk to her? I miss her. Uh, 
and I loved her. And uh, nothing, man. I would just want to hear her talk and laugh. My mom was such. Uh, um, I feel like uh, we we are a mixture of our parents, right? And my mom was always rambunctious, outgoing, loved to have loud music on and was spontaneous and, and I feel like she played a part and, and she always encouraged me and encouraged me being me. She's like she would always say, I Nino Loco, you know, Nino Loco. Nino Loco. You know? But she would encourage me knowing like keep going. So I'll just tell her thank you, as I did when she passed. You know, that was uh, she was in ICU when she did. You got to go see her? I did, man. That was such a uh, an intense yet beautiful moment. You know, uh, she got rushed to the hospital. She had been dealing with dialysis for like three years, going like three days a week. And then her there's a long complication of things that, that prolonged over years. That's what made it tough. But, but there at the end, I will say though, like, you know, I was telling you about 2019, I really feel that fall is when that transformation really started to take shape in my life. You know, cause with discovering Dr. Joe Dispenza and committing to that and committing to meditation every morning and committing to like, I'm gonna stop bullshitting myself. I'm gonna be honest with myself. And even at that point, I remember going uh, sober for like 90 days to like just clear myself and get a better understanding of where I'm at and in doing so, I remember going to see my family in Texas that fall. Uh, and I'm grateful that I was able to, and that was, cause then what happened with my mom fall, happened the following year in June. So this was like October. And I, I was able to have a very candid conversation with my parents and I, I apologized. I told them that I'm, I was sorry. for how I had acted and that I knew better, but at the same time that I was proud to be their son and that I wanted them to see that I had changed my life and that I was really doing it. And I'm glad that my mom was able to see me like that because then after that, the next year, that's when she started to really deteriorate and then passing away that, that June and I wouldn't see my mother in, in person from that fall again until she passed. And so I'm grateful that she was able to see that in even the last conversations that we would have. She told me how she was proud. She was proud of me. And she encouraged me to keep going. And as tough as it's gotten here, since her passing and with not just my musical career, but life in general of wanting to be a better man, of wanting to say, I want to make it in music, but I want to do it with integrity. I want to do it with honor. I don't, I don't want to do it like everyone else that I see and I don't judge it. I just went through that route and that was a nightmare. And everybody that I've seen experienced through that, they're not happy. So what am I doing here? Mm-mm. So in going through that, man, I keep that in mind. And because and, I was like, wow, man, right? Still going through those things to have the courage to say, no, son, pick your head up, keep going, you know?
it's been encouraging and and I've taken that to heart like I said I I've I've owned up to my mistakes uh, and I feel like that's how you learn we make mistakes we 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 fall down we we hurt other people but again like my dad would always say he's like always be man enough to admit your mistakes he's like don't lie so now in coming full circle and Jordan Peterson speaking to him too, helping me now in this new part of my journey, understanding God in a different perspective because how he's broken things down. I felt challenged at the beginning of the year. I knew I was gonna drop my album. I felt this anticipation in my spirit of saying like, this is the year that I have to make this happen. And not just make it happen, but how am I living my life? How am I really going to make this impact? If I really am going to do this now, how? So I started tracing it backwards. And when I got back, I was like, how, what can I use every day to really help me? And I came down to truth, truth. I'm like, okay, I got to live truthfully. I got to speak truthfully. Even what I think, I have to think thoughts that serve me. Don't get caught up in these lies of thoughts. So thinking about that and then standing up for myself in, in ways of how other people maneuver that aren't correct, no, I'm not gonna tolerate any longer. And so I feel like that's helped me gain spiritual strength, just living truthfully, you know? So Jimmy, if you could do anything in life and money was not an issue, time was not an issue, what would you do? Honestly, man, I would just, I'd go back home, and which is what I'm gonna do eventually. I know it, but right now, I would do it right now if that was it, and just be with my family and build a huge space for all my family and a huge space for people. What's the saying? When you've been through the fire and hell and you're walking back, you wanna help people because you know what it's like you know what it's like to hurt and he you know what it's like so number one is my family so I'll go back to make sure my all my family is good and then after that somehow figure out a way to create a space to just help people man that's what I'm doing now whenever musicians come along or hit me up for a place to crash absolutely Cause now even at home, they don't even know it, but you're receiving word, man. You're coming into the house and you're gonna be good. You know, cause now it's on purpose though. But again, it's coming into first circle of my purpose. I, I had to go through all that to get rid of the dead weight and figure out you're not living right here. This is conflicting. But now in the sense of like, just recently we had a, a, a musician come through, through another friend of mine and say, hey man, is it okay if he crashes there for few days is on blah blah because that's another thing too man musicians like people think like they see them on these big tours and man they're they're rich and man nope <laughs> they're sometimes going through it too and so i'm always now looking for ways of giving and helping even at the gym you know start working out at a, at a new gym and this guy just approaches me and like hey can i work in with you uh it was a leg day on leg extension I'm like say like, sure man so you know how that goes. So then by the end of that set though, 
we meshed together because at first it's like, okay, go do your set. I'm just kind of waiting. And then as we go back and forth a few sets, that that teacher in me, that person that <laughs> that that in me, it's like, all right, come on, more and more, right? So he hopped in on another exercise with me, and afterwards, he just starts asking me all these questions, and then I look in his eyes and I see so much gratitude. And man, I'll be honest, man, for a minute here, through all these challenges, even through working out, I feel like that luster had had left me. And I was looking for it, man, because I love lifting and I love bodybuilding. That's, that's another form of meditation for me that's helped me spiritually when you talk about, well, what? Working out. And not just working out, but intensely. And I feel like that had been missing from my life. And so here recently, just by me being there and looking at this guy, how impacted he was, that really inspired me, you know? I'm like... So it's not even sometimes like what you say. People are watching what you do. If you're going after it passionately and you don't give up and you keep falling but you get up, people are watching and they are inspired. You know, it's like uh, I, I posted a thing the other day because I was thinking like, oh man, if you're the spouse or the partner of someone that's going after their dreams and you're supportive, you're really the champion. You're really the hero. Because we all need support. We all need a, a team. Uh, that believes that that has that vision to get there you know so yeah i don't even know if that was a question but <laughs> that was really good too. yeah thank you so much man for coming yeah uh, man thank you for uh having me on man and always great conversation and speaking of i know you know this but i want to say it on camera i'm i'm extremely appreciative of you um uh, i'm grateful because over the course of the year and a half that we've known each other, and even more so this last year that we've talked a lot in, in private, you've helped me out a lot and been there for me. And I, I value that. And I value also to your willingness to help me and give me information through social media and things like that. Like, you should try this, you should try that. And even the other day uh, um, that you left after our podcast, me and Shark were talking. And I was like, and I told him, like, you know what I like about Axel? I was like, that we disagree so, uh, almost every time we, we meet and talk, but I love it because we do that in respect and you need that mm -hmm. because he, I know that he's wanting to do things to help me and, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate that from you and, and I just want to say that, that I appreciate your friendship and what you're doing. You're welcome and I appreciate having you as a friend and someone to like you inspire me to work towards my dreams mm -hmm. and uh, I always respect the work that you do and like the intention that you have behind everything and you're such a, a kind soul and like you're always open to love yeah. people and all that and I really admire that and I, I want to be like you in that way so hopefully like we get to grow together and yeah we, and we are you know we have been yeah. and I feel like that that you just said I feel like that's where turn to me and blossom because I feel like that's who I've always been and that's what I'm meant to do that's really what I do on stage bro that's what really I'm doing I'm ministering I'm really working to get into your soul to wake you up to help you to help you see something brighter and people sometimes think that it's dark if they see something but if you are there in person or if you experience me or even just listening to the music if you give it a chance that's what it's about for me it's 
it's welcoming people. It's helping you see that you're bigger than what you're allowing yourself to see. Hey, I want you to check out this interview with my friend Dimitri. Dimitri is an unbelievably talented singer. You're definitely going to like this interview. We go into depth about his creative process, how he grew up with his career, his influence with his family. It's a really good interview. I think you're gonna really, really enjoy it.